This is Sound and Vision from KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Well, Kanye West recently announced that he was running for president. If he goes through with that statement, he wouldn't be the first musician who ran for political office. Sonny Bono of Sonny and Cher became a U.S. congressman after making a name in music. And my next guest is also a well-known musician who went into politics. It's Martha Reeves. Her Motown group Martha Reeves and the Vandellas are probably best known for their hits Heat Wave. It's like a heat wave Dancing in the Street, and many, many more. She's here to talk about her term as Detroit City Councilwoman that she served from 2005 to 2009. Welcome. Thank you. So what inspired you to run for City Council? I've always taken my career as a service. I always wanted to be a singer, so it's kind of like an automatic thing for me to become a, a professional singer and get into a business of servitude. And I feel like the audience are the royalties because we prepare and we, we try to make it the best we can and try to do it as as entertaining as we possibly can to please an audience. The reward is we get more people to look at than they do. That's the reward. But when I decided that I would go into politics, I never considered myself as a politician. I just always stayed in my position as a servant, wanting to serve and please other people, to make it easier for other people, to speak for the people, to be involved in, in the social area where people admire me as a performer, but they also admired me for the good work that I did representing the city and, rep- and, and helping the people. And you also served during a very interesting time in Detroit politics. You know, while you were in city council, Detroit Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick resigned after being convicted of perjury and obstruction of justice. And he's actually in prison now for um, public corruption. But what was it like being on Detroit City Council specifically, like during that time? It was like all black council. And uh, we agreed on a lot of things. It takes five out of the out of the nine votes to win a, a issue, and most of the things that I took to the table went through. Especially getting Barry Gordy's uh, name put on the street where the uh, museum is. You know, Barry Gordy's company, Hitsville USA, turned into Motown Records as he started re- producing records. But it was in his house. And it was on a street called East Grand Boulevard. I actually got his name, secondarily name. Usually they don't do that for someone until they pass away. But I got a chance to pull a a string and and, and expose Barry Gordy's uh, name on the East Grand Boulevard street. And they now use that as their address, Barry Gordy Jr. Boulevard. So, you know, I did a whole lot and uh, was very, very happy to be to serve under the mayor, Kilpatrick. I got a chance to talk to him quite a few because he was a big Motown fan. Hmm. In fact, he thought he was a temptation. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw in politics that there are people who are for the people and there are people who are for themselves. A lot of people in politics do it for the money and a lot of people do it for a sincere wish to help the people and to represent the people, to do the right thing, to make us united and to keep everything going and everybody benefits, not just the ones who are uh, doing it for, for the uh, money. But he was a sweet guy who let the wrong politicians influence him. And when the deal came down, and I'm speaking, and I shouldn't be talking about it because they told you don't ever go away from the city council and tell what went on. But a lot of the other, the other senators, other congressmen, the other mayors, and other representatives influenced him and let him do a lot of things before they could pull the hat and uh, brought the the gamut the gamut down. He he was set up and framed 
And there was no, no way that an attorney, a prosecuting attorney or a defense attorney could make that uh, distinction because they weren't there. We, as council members, were there. We watched it happen. We saw things that, that went past us. And I saw him set up. I saw people that influenced him that should not have. And him being a young man with a law degree and fine, oh, he was so good looking. <laughs> a big, strong, strapling man with a brilliant mind, but with the wrong politicians giving him the, enough leeway, enough rope to actually hang himself. And he's still in, in jail trying to get out. And he's been charged like somebody who murdered somebody. And um, God knows he could have used better mentors. I'll put it that way. You know, from your experience and, and thinking about other musicians looking to run for office, do you feel, one, musicians are qualified to run for political office? And if so, like, what, what do they bring to office that other folks might not bring? I don't think that you can categorize musicians and singers and performers and composers and arrangers uh, being anything other than people, ordinary people whose lives should have influenced and the way that they're brought up and what environment they grew up in to qualify to represent the people. That's what politicians are supposed to do, not gain popularity or, or uh, prosperity for themselves. They're supposed to be concerned about making the world right for the people. So if you find somebody, I don't care what they do, if they dig ditches, if, they, if they're the electrician that comes to your house and makes sure your lights are on, whoever you are, if you have it in your heart to serve the people and to make the world better, then you're qualified. If that's what you can do, if you can make it better, it don't matter who you are or what your lifestyle is or what you do. People have, are bringing Kanye West in my in my uh, my mind, and I have to agree that I don't know him. I, I don't know his music. I'm, I'm from the Rock and Roll Hitsville, USA, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame generation. I can't say that if it's just because somebody can can rap or play an instrument or can stand on the stage and, and sing and make you melt. I don't know if they're qualified to be a representative of the people, it's got to be in their heart. That's all I know. It was in my heart to serve. One of my biggest achievements while on city council was going through the convalescent homes and the retirement homes where people take their loved ones and leave them because they can't care for them anymore. And they leave them in the hands of strangers who are running a business, who their job is to take care of them, but they're often neglected. I went in a, a few of them and found leaky roofs, when the people sat in the day room, they would get wet if it rained. I've, I saw infestation. I saw people getting ill from the fact that their places weren't sanitized. And I was able to do that. My time was spent buying, sometimes with my own money, turkeys to make sure on Thanksgiving and Christmas, the people who are left those retirement homes and those, those uh, convalescent homes were, got a good meal, were shown some love. That's what the world needs. Mm. Do I sound like, uh, what's what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Do I sound like her? <laughs> I hope I do. <laughs> I hope I do. Can you take me back to Motown? I mean, Motown was such a amazing, I mean, I can't imagine what that would have been like being in Detroit with so many amazing, talented artists all coming together, creating this sound together. Can you take me back to what Detroit was like back then and what it meant for you to be a part of Motown? 
Most of the people at Motown that sang came from the church. You can tell in the music, most of it is designed religiously and spiritually so that you can put love in it. We didn't sing uh, horrible things about killing the police and, and bringing the buildings down. We sang songs about my girl, my guy, which could have been my God, my God, if you sing it properly. I boarded a bus with 12 acts and a 12-piece band and went on the first Motown review. All of this was happening during uh, race relations. There's a riot that we were that we were exposed to while we were doing the Motown review. Can you talk we about south. Can you talk about what it was like like I know Detroit had race riots in the in the late 60s. Were you around for that? Can you describe they what that They had race riots like? in the 40s, sweetheart. Oh they yeah. started in the 40s. Yeah. Do you have memories of that? I mean, what was what was that like? Yes, I do. I'm right in the middle of it. Yes, I do. It was horrible. It was some hate that I we don't know where it came from. But we know we had to protect ourselves. We know we had to f- fight the popo because the popo was 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 coming down on us. That's that's the sixties riot, and um, some some confusion broke out when the people who would stand on street corners and gather maybe three or four black people singing doo wop because at that time everybody wanted to sing, everybody wanted to be like the 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 midnighters, uh, uh, James Brown, um, the staple singers. Everybody wanted to be to serve with their voices and their talents. Everybody was eager to be professional. Some might have had money in their mind, but the whole matter of fact is that we wanted to show that unity that we could have in lifting our voices and singing songs in one accord and, and spreading love. One of the examples of uh, the magic of our music was in, in uh, Alabama. I'm from Alabama, so I can talk about it. I knew what to expect when we travel on that bus going down there but we had separated audiences. Smokey Robinson, one of the most prolific writers in the world, he wrote songs for everybody at Motown, especially for himself. Had a song out called Mickey's Monkey. We had an audience where they had black people on one side down on the main floor, because before they put the blacks in the balcony, but this time they had come down almost to making some kind of unity in our audiences. And they had black people on one side and white people on the other. There was a, a line down the middle of the floor. So when Smokey got a chance to get to the mic, he was a star. When he got to, he said, listen, you two people, this big, burly, redneck, white men standing with those clubs ready to hit anybody that got up and danced. They wanted to control the audience. They thought it might be a ride breaking out with people sitting so close to each other that don't, ain't supposed to get along. <laughs> anyway, when Smokey said, you two guys with those baseball bats, go somewhere. Because we didn't have, a, there was a Confederate, Confederate flag behind us as well. American and a Confederate flag. When Smokey said, you guys move back and let us have a good time because this music is fun music and we all want to dance and have a good time. They moved and the people broke the barrier down. People were giving each other high fives and smiling and slapping each other on the back that wouldn't even speak to each other or look each other in the face before we started singing. So that's what the Motown Review did. 
it went around making everybody come together and unite people with songs. It was important the ingredients of our songs. We sang songs about love and, and, and unity and happiness, and we brought joy not only to our, uh, ourselves, but to the world. I'm speaking with Motown's Martha Reeves of Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. And I want you to answer the final question of the show. And that question is, why does music matter? As a, as a child growing up and having lived in the South and come to the city, big city, I got a chance to sing a song that expressed our, my youth, how we grew up. We lived on a block in Detroit. Now there's a Pepsi bottling company on the site where we lived. But it was a block called Ryapel. A lot of famous people came off of that street. But we had the privilege because my dad worked for the city water department. And Mr. Elliott, who was a neighbor, worked for the bus company. It used to be called a DSNRA. They asked the police to give them some horses and some yellow tape and block off the street so that we could dance every Saturday night. We had to stop it at 12, yeah, but we got the privilege and the permission from the law because at that time they were running people off of corners. There was a, a team of uh, policemen called the, the Big Four. I, I didn't say four. I said four. The Big Four, they were four big, burly, redneck men who would jump out with clubs, and if they saw anybody standing there cor- on a corner, three or four more people singing or shooting dice or whatever they did because they, they had nowhere to go, they would jump out of their, their car vehicle and they would either pounce on them with the sticks or tell them to disperse or put them in jail if they resisted. So that's the generation that I'm from. Doo-wop was when somebody sang a wrong note, they'd whop you upside the head. But we, we learned how to sing uh, with each other and that kept the neighborhood cool because the guys could have been up somewhere robbing and stealing and whatever, like some of the looters are in some of these demonstrations, but we were peaceful people and we were being attacked by the police and uh, being controlled in the neighborhood. They would ride around instead of, you know, answering calls for somebody really doing something bad. They would uh, attack the gentle people just trying to sing, just trying to cook together and just have some kind of recreation with each other. So that's the generation I'm from. So when dad was able to, and Mr. Elliot was able to block the streets off and let us party, we danced in the street. When I was asked to sing that song by Marvin Gaye, who wrote it, him and William Stevenson and Ivor Hunter were actually having Marvin sing it. Marvin was singing it like a love song. He made the Star Spangled Banner sound like a love song. Can you see? And, and when I, I had stood there long enough to learn the song, he looked at me, and I didn't even know he was aware of me because I used to follow him around. He was so good-looking. I wasn't his type or anything. I was always considered a sister because we sang on a Stubborn Kind of Fella, Hitchhike, and Pride and Joy to make Marvin's career.
that he was singing ballads. When William Stevenson heard our harmony of the Delphi's, he said, let's put this record out. And we were Marvin and the Vandellas for a little while. But uh, we found out that the unity uh, and, and singing together was what made the Motown sound. That was Martha Reeves of the Motown group Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. We've been talking about her time as Detroit City Councilwoman in light of the news that Kanye West also wants to get into politics. He wants to run for president. Well, that was Sound on Vision. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It lets other people know this podcast exists. And if you want to go the extra mile, please consider giving a one-time $20 donation at kexp.org slash sound. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll chat more soon. Come